Hello everyone, we're here again with another episode of the NCRI Women's Committee Podcasts. 14 days past the tragic death of Mahsa Amini in police custody, Iran is still engulfed in angry protests. Today we're going to discuss how and why an innocent woman's death sparked massive protests across the country, jolting the Iranian regime's pillars of power. I'd like to start by asking you to explain Massa Amini's murder in terms of violence against women and how could such a thing happen in Iran? Of course, uh, the situation in Iran is very different for women. Women could be killed for failing to observe the regime's dress code because enforcing the mandatory hijab is one of the main pillars of the regime's national security. Anyone who opposes the compulsory veil is regarded as an agent of foreign powers intending to undermine the regime's stability and national security. That's why the opponents of mandatory hijab in Iran are flogged and fined, sentenced to long prison terms, and most recently forced to make false confessions on TV. Oh yes, uh, I remember the case of a writer, Sepita Rashno, who was recently arrested for defying the state agent who warned and physically abused her to properly cover her hair. Yes, uh, Sepita Rashno is an artist and a writer and an editor. The 20-year-old woman was jailed one and a half months for standing up to a female vice patrol who gave her a warning on a rapid transit bus. A few days later, The intelligence ministry agents arrested her on the 16th of July and interrogated her under torture. Finally, she appeared on the state TV on the 31st of July as she looked very frail and one could see bruises around her eyes. On the 20th of August, the Ministry of Justice's news agency officially announced the charges of Sepide Rashno, which included propaganda activities against the state and encouragement of corruption and prostitution. Only after that, she was temporarily released on a heavy bail on the 30th of August. So I can see now that in the progression of such harsh confrontations with women and after extracting forced confessions from Sepida Rashno, now we face the death of Massa Amini in police custody. Exactly. That's the point I was trying to make. Such brutal confrontations with Iranian women dates back to the early days of the regime's rule. In 1979, when the mullahs seized power in Iran, they had hijacked the leadership of a revolution that was supposed to bring freedom and independence to the Iranian people. The backward, fundamentalist mullahs faced a progressive and freedom-loving society that had torn the bondage of a dictatorship. But the mullahs were unable to respond to the society's needs. Less than one month into their reign, the mullahs found the solution in coercing women to wear the veil. The solution fit well with the mullahs' misogynist vision and allowed them to conceal their politically motivated savagery and oppression in a religious rap for justification. In this way, they could clamp down on the entire society and terrorize them, both women and men.
Uh-huh. That's where breaching this religious coercion becomes a national security threat and is therefore harshly dealt with to the point of killing a woman. I'm sure many people remember that the Revolutionary Guards walked in the streets pushing thumbtacks in the foreheads of women who scarf slid back. State agents used razor blades and slashed women's faces to enforce the mandatory hijab in the early days. They banned women's entrance to coffee shops and hospitals and shopping centers if they were improperly veiled. And of course, they gave 74 lashes to women who did not observe the mandatory hijab. Then there were days that state-backed agents splashed acid on improperly veiled women. But those days are gone. The people of Iran have no illusions whatsoever about the religious pretenses of the power-hungry mullahs' intentions of plundering the public and spending their wealth on war and terrorism. In their protests, they chant the enemy is right here. It's a lie when they say the enemy is America. Yes, we had seen women at the forefront of all those protests. They also openly defy and resist the regime's attempts to impose the compulsory veil despite knowing the price. That's why Ibrahim Raisi, a mass murderer turned president, who's incriminated in the 1988 massacre of 30,000 political prisoners, ordered the state security force and all the 27 institutions in charge of enforcing the veil last July to take harsher measures to enforce the mandatory hijab. They even established military bases to organize the morality police and make more recruitments. Since then, we had quite a few instances of truly savage treatment of women in the streets, beating and dragging them on the ground, pushing them into the state security vans by brute force. There was even an example when a mother stood in front of the van and begged them not to take away her daughter with a heart condition. But they took her away and she died several days after being released from custody. One can conclude that because of these savageries, the society has become volatile as a powder keg and Massa Amni's death was an effective spark. Yes, the guidance patrol's ruthless brutality against a young woman, fracturing her skull and causing brain hemorrhage by the heavy blows of the baton to her head, acted as a trigger and a spark. The powder keg is widespread discontent over the lack of freedoms, the bankrupt economy, corruption of the government and frequent massive embezzlements while people's baskets are empty and poverty spreads by every passing day. This is the pent-up anger of 44 years under the Mullah's rule. That's why young people and women do not let the protests die down after 14 days and keep going despite 300 people killed and 15,000 arrested. They are willing to pay the price to the end. Now, from what you explained, I assume that when some in the press refer to the nationwide protests in Iran as hijab protests, is not an accurate term to use. Yes, that's a very good point you made. You see, 
Iranian women first rose up against the compulsory hijab on March 8, 1979, when the Mullah's supreme leader at the time ordered women to cover their hair if they wanted to appear in public. On that day, the women of the main Iranian opposition group, the Muslim People's Mujahideen Organization of Iran, better known as the MEK in recent years, went to support and defend the women who were protesting the compulsory veil. They were wearing the hijab as their free choice, but joined the protest because they opposed imposing the veil by force. A couple of years later, tens of thousands of MEK women who observed the hijab out of their free choice were massacred for opposing the regime's suppression of freedoms and concealing its original intentions under the banner of Islam to justify their oppressive rule. Again, the Muslim People's Mujahideen is the only political party in the world that has an all-woman central council with 1,000 members. Their leader, Mrs. Mariam Rajavi, has time and again declared no to compulsory veil, no to compulsory religion, and no to the compulsory government. At issue is freedom, freedom of choice, and a genuine democracy, which is the demand and desire of all the people of Iran. Women's freedom in choosing their clothing and dress is, of course, one of the most important freedoms. But the country's problems are not going to be solved just by women removing their veils. The country needs a complete overhaul with the overthrow of the Mullah's regime and a democratic alternative capable of safeguarding people's freedom and well-being. Good that you mentioned the NCRI president-elect Mayam Rajabi's remarks. I also read a recent remark where she said women come to the streets not to ask for anything but to stamp out the regime. Women have risen up not just to demand their own freedoms but to free all of Iran and bring equality and liberty for all Iranians. Yes, Mrs. Rajavi is a trailblazer on women's rights in Iran. She was the first to coin the term women are the force for change. She said women bear the brunt of the Mullah's oppression, so they are the most potent force to overthrow the regime, like a compressed spring that is suddenly released. In 1995, in a speech to a gathering in London, she took a moment to address the Mullahs and said, You have used all possible forms of humiliation, oppression, repression, torture and murder against Iranian women. But be sure you will receive the fatal blow from those you never count. Of course, your reactionary nature doesn't allow you to consider them, but be sure that your oppressive rule will be swept away by Iran's conscious and free women. Then she addressed the women of Iran and said, stand up and play your role. You are the ones who will bring our history into the golden age of equality, peace, democracy and development. Today's oppressed women are the victors of tomorrow. She also announced a nationwide public mourning for Mahsa Amini and called for the disbandment of the guidance patrols or the morality police. She said, the resistant and resilient women of Iran will stand up to the tyranny and oppression of the mullahs and the IRGC and they will defeat them. She said, Iranian people and women will fight against the regime and its repressive patrols with all their might.
Now, we've come to the end of this episode. We pay tribute to the fearless women of Iran who bravely confront the suppressive forces of the Mullah's regime, lead the protests, and inspire others to join. We pay tribute to dozens of women who gave their lives for freedom in this latest uprising. We call on the international community to take urgent action to stop the killings in Iran and secure the release of detained protesters. Thank you for being with us in another podcast by the NCRI Women's Committee. Mm-hmm.